Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. In this episode, let's talk about Black Adam as well as the future of the DCEU universe. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. James and I just watched Black Adam, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's first film in a superhero genre. I think that he is pretty well suited to being a superhero. I liked him as Black Adam. However, I think the film left a lot to be desired, ultimately. So I think that we all need to put into perspective that Black Adam, this movie was made, finished, written, developed by... The former managers and people that were running DC and Warner Brothers before the merger, before the shift and change in management and direction of the DCEU. You know, these were the people that fired Henry Cavill from being Superman on his birthday via the internet, via like a tweet and Instagram. These people were didn't want to bring Superman back. They didn't want Henry Cavill anymore. They were going in this different direction that fans were not happy with. They're the people that let Joss Whedon completely change Justice League. Exactly. So the direction they were going with the DCEU was basically running it into the ground in a lot of ways. I mean, how do you get rid of the titular character characters with Batman and Superman? You don't have them in the universe going forward. You you cut both of them basically with Affleck and then Henry, Henry, Henry Cavill too. Rather than giving us a Man of Steel 2, which everyone wants. And so this movie was developed and made and completed in that regime. Even though it's coming out after the change of management, after uh, it's been merged with Warner uh, Discovery, and we have a whole new platform and everything like that, and a whole new megalopolis here of, of, of corporations here with Time Warner Discovery. I think we need to put that into perspective and then realize that we're going to get better movies going forward, I think, with the DC. And yeah. I think that Black Adam is a continuation of the the path that was going down. Maybe they try to fix some stuff here and there. But with a $200 million budget and plus all the reshoots that we know they did because we don't want to spoil it yet. But if you haven't seen the movie, there's that crazy cameo at the end of the movie, the post credit scene. That was obviously a reshoot that they did probably like a month ago. Um, there's a lot of CGI in that shot, too. Yeah. So we can assume that the budget that was they say is $200 million is probably more like 220 maybe even more. Who knows? And then Plus, that's not including the marketing cost. This was a heavily marketed movie. Yeah, so this movie yeah. all around probably cost them $400, $450 million. Not, not that much. $400 million. for budget tops and then about $80 million for marketing. You don't think it's the equal for the budget for marketing in this? No, 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 no way. I guess, but still... Um, I think it was a little bit of an underwhelming box office around the world. It grossed about $130, $140 million global box office, yeah. which is, you know, it's it's solid. On the on paper, it looks really good. But again, this movie needs to make four or $500 million before it starts breaking even and making a profit because, again, just because the box office is more than the budget, you're splitting tickets with theaters for a lot of it as well as, you know— Not factoring in the marketing costs. The marketing costs as well. Yeah. And, uh, for example— not, not just the recent superhero movies. The okay. Batman grossed two hundred fifty million dollars in its opening. Thor: Love and Thunder made three hundred million dollars in its opening. In Multiverse of Madness, that was four hundred five million dollars in its opening. So I think there may be also a little bit of superhero fatigue going on in the world, in the world of entertainment and audiences, as well as Black Adam's not a super well known character. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to like the movie because I love Dwayne. We've been fans of his since he was, you know, the, the people's champ, the people's eyebrow. Yeah, we used to, yeah, we. Do you smell? Hell, rock. 
is cooking. <laughs> he was the best, and we've seen, we've grown up watching his movies, and I love the guy. I think he deserves every amount of praise he gets and all the money he's earned. It's well deserved, and he really is an amazing star and an amazing entertainer. And I wanted to like this movie a lot. I was like, I love The Rock, and and he seemed like he always is so passionate about his projects. But I mean, the movie it was quite underwhelming, and I was I was surprised. And also, there's this weird thing going on with fandom. Like, current, current current fandom for comic book movies has become really toxic and... It's a war. ...and extremist because, like... Can this, I give the, I'm, the ratings for this to explain Yeah, because the, there's been review bombing on both sides, which is just, like, so petty and doesn't make any sense. So, basically, Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score for Black Adam right now is 39%, and then it's 90% audience score. Metacritic, it's 41%. IMDb, Black Adam is at a 7.1 at the time of recording this video, but 25% of the votes are a 10. This movie yeah. is not a 10. Yeah. And then if you read through all of those reviews, there are people like that are saying, like, Marvel sucks, like, DC is back, like, mm-hmm. let's go DC. So, like, Marvel versus DC, the fandom has become like yeah. a war zone in the IMDb user ratings. And I think that the IMDb user rating for franchise movies is... Is obsolete. It's it's done. It doesn't matter anymore because everything's getting one ten star review bombs on both sides. Yeah, and I remember a week ago I looked at I just searched on Google for reviews and Google has its own rating system too out of five stars and there were the first few I saw were five star reviews and the people who put the five stars they, they, I think you have to write something in your in your rating and they were like I haven't seen this yet but I hate how people are giving it negative re- reviews. Here's a five star review for it. And like the first four comment reviews were like that. And it's only happening with yeah, big franchise movies yeah. and TV Yeah. And also series. we've posted some content on the film and um we I I posted a clip just saying how I we we think that the 62 million dollar opening is a disappointment for the North American market, which it is. And we got like a ton of attack hate comments and attacks on our comment thread and all we did was state a fact 62 million dollars is not a, a great opening for this movie and like people were like defending it tooth and nail and they haven't even seen the movie it's just weird that people nowadays are willing to defend something that they haven't even watched yet just because I, yeah, the brand whatever because the brand on it. yeah and also and it's like I, 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 I kind of worry if we're getting away from the times where it's like is objectivity disappearing where I am. I don't consider myself like a Marvel stan. I don't consider myself a DC stan. I love good movies and I love great movies. Both studios have done a solid job with a lot of films, and both studios have, I think, missed the mark with plenty of films. I don't take a side. I'm all about, you know, if we're paying money to go see a film, if we're paying twenty bucks, we deserve, you know, at least like to try to have be entertained and for them to put in an effort to try and tell a good story and give us a good time at the theater and to escape from our reality for a little bit. I think we deserve it when we give when we give our money to for the studio to actually really put in a real effort to do something special for us. And I feel like this is an instance where it didn't really feel like that and I left the theater um, kind of w- w- waiting for the movie to end in a lot of ways. However, I left the theater very optimistic because mm. obviously we're going to spoil right now what yeah. happens at the end. The cameo, bo- spoiler, ready, here it comes. Henry Cavill's back as Superman. He announced it on social media too as well with the selfie video yeah. on two- on Monday. 
So that's awesome. It's so incredible to see him back. So big props to Dwayne Johnson for making that happen. He facilitated you know, it. He's yeah. a huge part of not only getting Black Adam made, which he says he's been trying to get done for over a decade now, but he was a, integral to getting Henry Cavill back because I love Dwayne so much. And whether or not you like Black Adam, you get a, you got to give props to him for understanding what fans want and what the audience wants and not just what DC fans want, but movie fans want. Even yeah. if you're not like, I love comic book movies, but we no, all want, we all, we want Superman back. Nobody, nobody was happy about Henry Cavill getting fired. It's such a selfless thing to do, to be the star of your first big superhero movie, but also your attention is focused on getting what fans want out of the entire picture of DC and the universe going forward and making that integral to the film because this movie was done before the the management changed, and this was done and filmed and edited before Henry Cavill was back and before they even filmed that post credit scene. That's why I knew he wasn't going to be in the movie. That's why we kept saying in previous weekly chats and movie news that we're sure it's just going to be a post credit scene. Highly doubt it's going to be in the movie. It was yeah. great to see not just them two staring off at each other. It's so cool to see, see these Goliath powerful characters, but to see Henry Cavill back. Give us a line of dialogue in his in his Clark Kent Superman voice. A great shiny new suit. Mm -hmm. It was the best part of the theater experience for sure. And it was euphoric in a lot of ways yeah. too. It freaked out. That's a testament to the, one of the reasons why Dwayne is so successful is because throughout his entire career, back when he was a wrestler, he understood um, the passion his fans had. And he always geared his career in every way to entertaining people. And that's what he always has put first. And that's why he's been so successful you can compare him to like tom cruise as a person who really cares about the audience when he's making a film and understands them yeah and Dwayne, i think is just like that which is why i think he felt that he had to leave fast and furious i feel like he didn't have I, i'm guessing with fast and furious he didn't feel like he had any uh pull or sway in the conversation for the trajectory of the tone of the films and what was happening on screen and so i think that when he doesn't have an ability to have some kind of voice in the production, he doesn't want to be involved in it. So I'm guessing that's why he less Plus left. him and Vin Diesel didn't get along, yeah. right? And, and Tyrese Gibson, I think. Yeah. And I think that's why he left fast and joined DC. And I think if DC management understand that, you know, Dwayne can be a really helpful figure um, spearheading their direction of their films. And then also, I think that he really made them understand that Henry Cavill is really important to fans and seeing him back as Superman was a big deal. But also, just to get back to right, just real quick, I meant to say to finish my point about the fandom, it's okay if a movie's not great. It's okay. It's fine. We, but we don't have... I feel like people sometimes... Not everyone. It's, if you love the movie, you love the movie. That's great. But I feel like there's times when people will defend something and say it's great just to spite the other side. And for me, it's like, it's okay if a movie's less lukewarm and mid. It's just... It's not the end of the world. It's okay for a movie studio to miss when they um, fire off a, block, a blockbuster. It's totally normal. Not every movie has to be amazing. But I also think it's important to objectively recognize, you know what, this was a miss and things could be done better. And so maybe in the future, this is a learning curve for them. Well, I think that we all are going to leave this experience, whether you like it or not, understanding that there is optimism in DC going forward with the new management change and the new direction. And just the fact that Henry Cavill is back as Superman, which again, testament to Dwayne Johnson not making the entire DC film just his solo project, but recognizing that it will be a new launching platform to get the future of the DCEU started and recognizing that he, like you said, can be like a voice and a leader for the DC going forward, whether or not his first movie in the DC was a massive success. I mean, 
Captain America First Avenger, that wasn't like the big, biggest success definitely in the not, world. Definitely not. It wasn't until Winter Soldier that people really started to love Captain America um, rather than the good old good old schoolboy from First Avenger. The Boy Scout. The Boy Scout from School First Avenger. <laughs> definitely not a comic book guy. You know, Captain America, the schoolboy? I just say the kind, of, the kind of persona he was. Well, you know, Superman's the Boy Scout. Man, yeah. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> But to recognize that, you know, Black Adam and going forward, this is going to be a new launching pad. And the movie, it, le- it left me pretty underwhelmed as well. You know, I-, I feel like with this film. Let's get into the film. Yeah. It was kind of just a nonstop feast of. This is nonstop slugfest. Of. Um, What's the, what's the word I'm trying to say? I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's pulling out the notes. He lost his train of what, thought. What was I thinking? I could I could take it from here, man. I could take it from here. It was over. It was an over overstimulation okay. fest where it's a two hour. It was like two hours and thirty minutes. It was quite long, yeah. Right, and this entire movie, it felt like watching. I got to see it again to see. It felt if, like if, four if, hours. If I'm right. <laughs> it felt like there were no moments where there wasn't either action taking place. Or dialogue being spoken to us. It was very dialogue heavy. A lot of talking to the audience. And then if there wasn't talking to the and audience. not just was, dialogue, but exposition. You, exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. So it was, it, there was no moments of kind of just quietness. Levity. And, and, take, and, yeah. uh, and breaks and beats to kind of get our characters understand them. And rather than just like telling the audience every single thing and every character point. Yeah. There are no moments of quiet or just like. Just calming things down a little bit. I understand that not every movie has to slow down. Like, they want to be bombastic. It seems like this movie is, like, one giant scene in That's, a lot of ways. I, I totally agree. It yeah. felt like one long scene, and there weren't... And even when they were, like, overnight in the ship, it was, like, two minutes, and it yeah. didn't feel like... They just and, put uh, Dr. Fate in, like, a bathroom. <laughs> like, I guess it's nighttime. Yeah. <laughs> and then Black Adams was on security camera walking around. It's like, yeah. is he just pacing for seven yeah. hours? And then it's the next day. I totally agree. It did feel like it was just, like, a never-ending Simulation. Sequence. And, you know, there's a structure to the action movie that I think filmmakers like Chris Nolan have really tapped into. Uh, Tom Cruise, again, with Top Gun, Mission Impossible movies. Even if you aren't a fan of the movies, you, you, can, you can totally see there is a structure. Uh, action set piece to open the movie, character for 20 minutes. Action set piece, character and story for 20 minutes. Action set piece, character and story for 20 minutes. You need those moments in between the action se- sequences to really get a story going and to get the characters invested, in, the audience invested in the characters and to really understand what the movie's about. With this film, it did feel like it was a, a nonstop action scene and there were very short breaks and even the breaks were that we were involved in, it was, it was like characters were still like evading something or, or driving or flying somewhere. So it felt like the movie never stopped for a moment. And I honestly got overwhelmed. Like after the first initial big battle in the city, and then you're like, okay, maybe things will slow down. Then Hawkman and Black Adam fought in that apartment for like five minutes. And you're like, Jesus, are they ever going to stop fighting? I feel like they went a little too heavy into like the the action. And I feel like there wasn't really a, sto- a meaningful story that was told. We had a villain that was very one-dimensional. And he didn't even like fully reveal himself until the third act of the film. I didn't even really care about the villain at all, even when he became his new formed of the of the demon version of himself i felt like i mean this kind of felt unearned and it just like kind of didn't even set it up that well and i feel like characters weren't given enough um development especially like the the justice team i'm, I'm sorry the just, justice society justice society 
I didn't like you how Marvel stand. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like how Cyclone and Adam were like new and they had never been on a mission before, and it didn't make sense why would they they would go be put in such a dangerous situation even though they've never even like been in a fight before. I feel like the movie would have worked better if the that that team was already established and we could see the relationships already formed. But I feel like characters weren't really given that much time to even show the audience who they were, what anyone's like real goals or ambitions were, what conflicts were other than just Black Adam and then other than the demon guy. I felt like the movie just was just nonstop punching and it got to be overwhelming. And by the time the movie was over, I was like, finally. For me, I, I feel... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Ironically, with all the action, and it's like the action-heaviest movie I've seen this year, it was boring. Yeah, that's, that's what's yeah. really ironic about it. It was very slow in terms of the story, but it, despite there constantly, like you, being, like you said, just constant punching the entire time. And great story structure, it, ha- it follows a, a similar pattern. You know, we have multiple climaxes in a story that lead to one climax, the next climax, then we're going down, we're slowing down, we're coming back up to a larger climax, going back down, an even bigger climax, then our final climax is the big, important battle, usually in an action movie, any kind of movie like this, doesn't have to be an action movie, just your climax, the final one has to be the biggest peak for the story, the most exciting moments, the most important, impactful moments of the, of the story, and I think that they... Their, their climax sequences were kind of all over the place in terms of not gradually getting to the largest climax at the end. I feel like the final battle wasn't even the biggest climax of the movie for me. That's why... Me either, yeah. Like, I thought even, like, the second battle was, like, the climax of the film. And, I, and like, the film felt like it was over. Mm-hmm. You know, they put Black Adam in this prison. But we all know, like, they're going to have to take him out of that prison, like, ten minutes later. Yeah, I, like, I had... And there, it didn't feel like the stakes were very real for any of the situations. And then, like, when the demon guy came, I knew Black Adam was going to get woken up, and I, we all knew Black Adam was going to I felt like there was him. no threat at all, and honestly. When, and when, honestly, when Dr. Fade died, I felt nothing. Like, I didn't... I didn't even... I didn't really register emotions, really, with any character at all. When Dr. Fade died, I was like, sucks. I mean, oh well, I guess. it's That's a bummer. His first movie is Sa- gone. Sabak is a demon guy, Sabak, by the way. Sorry. Ishmael was his human form. Just to get the names right. Yeah. So, I never really, I didn't really connect with any of the characters that well. I mean, thinking back on it now, I, I can't really relate to one very much in yeah. out of and, 12 main characters. I, I Like, Dr. Fate's dying. I'm like, I felt nothing. Like, versus if Dr. Strange, a similar character in the MCU, if he passed away in a movie, I would probably... Probably cry. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But also, the way he died was he kind of let Salbuck punch him to kill him, which it felt like he was like sacrificing himself willingly. It was it was it was a little odd because first he was like distracting Salbuck to give Black Adam time to escape, but then like he stopped his um, illusions, and then Salbuck like walks twenty feet and then kills him. It's like and he was just standing there. It's like that was a moment where like. He could have just like stepped away or like ran off and he would have been fine. It didn't feel like his life was really in danger. He just like let him kill him. But also, I think one of the problems with the film was that sometimes it didn't feel like there were any stakes at all. 
And especially like there's a there's a, a scene where they reference the good and bad and the ugly. And first we see it on the television playing. And then we see Black Adam when he's fighting some of the soldiers, some of the terrorists. And um, they do like a standoff, like a Mexican standoff. And they even duplicate the shots from the good and the bad and the ugly of the standoff. But for me, like during that sequence, I was like, what's the point of this? There's that The good and the bad and the ugly standoff sequence works because whoever draws first and fires first, they're going to kill the other person. The other person's dead. But in this situation, when Black Adam's standing off with the other soldiers... He is at no risk of getting hurt at all because we've already seen that bullets have absolutely no effect on him. So there, it was like a, a two-minute sequence of it was like there was no stakes because Black Adam wasn't in any danger. The whole point of the standoff working is both characters are in danger of dying. So it's a moment where like it didn't feel like there were any stakes. And also I feel like there was a lot of action that was completely unnecessary and sometimes didn't make sense. Like how when Black Adam escaped, there was a whole army waiting for him. I mean, Ishmael had this plan. They had no idea that there was anything inside that tomb except for the crown, anything that would have been a threat to them. So it made sense when he had like a special ops team with him of like a dozen soldiers just for him to kidnap the other two characters and take what they needed with and just gain control of the situation. Totally fine. But then when Black Adam leaves, there's a, a army. And it's like, why is there an army there? If they were just going into a, a temple to get a crown, they had no idea that there would be any threat in their lives at all. And yet there was tanks, helicopters, tons of soldiers, more missiles fired than like— get your trailer shot, man. Yeah, so, <laughs> but that's the point. Like, it doesn't make sense for the story to have that. If Black Adam had already caused damage and then people were like, oh, we got to send forces after this guy, then that makes sense. But for, for an entire, entire army to be waiting outside for Ishmael to walk out with the crown in hand— didn't make any sense. I was also waiting for the brutality. We got a decent shot of brutality when he turns the guy into lightning. With, with the first, lightning. yeah, the he first fries kill. the guy yeah. to his skeleton. It that was, was cool. The best, I was my favorite part of the movie. But then we didn't really get the brutality that we were promised. You know, like a brutal. This movie was supposedly almost rated R because it was so brutal. And then I didn't really see that until uh, when he cut the demon guy in half that was sick yeah. when he split his body in Great half kill. if Great we got kill. an entire movie like that that would have been really cool yeah so i was i was like waiting for like where's this brutality versus just lightning shooting out everywhere it's basically kind of like thor in a lot of ways so i, I wanted more of the brutality yeah it was it's it was i liked when he would throw people like super far distances away it was funny the first couple times but like after the sixth time it's like not that funny anymore <laughs> <laughs> but i get it like they wanted to show like the massive power of a superhero versus an actual mortal. And the action sequences, I think some were really cool. Some of them were a little disappointing. I think in the cave, that was a really awesome sequence where we we're seeing him in the background. That he's was kinda, a good scene. He's yeah. like flying around and just showing his superhero prowess and his strength and speed and, and invulnerability. The speed, the ferocity. <laughs> I see the League of Shadows resurgent. <laughs> but then at other times... Black Adam's just kind of just like floating around. He's like he reminded me of the Terminator. He was like yeah. a, a superhero Terminator, just floating around very slowly. And also like he was just like standing, floating the whole time. Yeah, that's I, what I, mean. I found that odd. It didn't feel exciting because if he's supposed to be similar to like Shazam and Superman, we really, really only got a couple shots of him like flying in a superhero position, flying. You know, mm -hmm. not that many sequences. I like found that. the upright floating to be a little too like it felt like it wasn't like. Exciting in any I think way. it's because they were trying to show how easy it was for him. Kind of, I, yeah. but also they have to the, – the scope was I was j actually pretty small in this movie. It really just took place in the city of Kandak 
And they didn't really leave that place at all. And so I think if you have the superheroes just flying around like crazy, it wouldn't really work that well because it would take him less than a second to traverse the entire city versus him just floating around like standing. And I think there were just too many shots of him just floating around like a ghost. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like half the movie. Yeah, a ghost, yeah. Black Adam's just slow motion stand floating. floating around like a ghost the whole time. (laughs) I'm just like, all right. <laughs> That's a great point. I kept after the 70th minute of it, I'm like, he's still, he's still yeah. just floating around. I guess if you were a superhero, you'd do the same thing, but yeah. in a lot of ways. But it, it didn't seem like they utilized the speed that he has, which is supposed to rival Superman, where Superman instant travel like distances at at a time rather than just like slow moving around. But it is what it is. And um, I also think that there was quite a bit of exposition that wasn't needed. The movie might have been more impactful if it opened with just the raid of the temple and then um, the release of Black Adam and then the havoc he would cause. I think that would have been a stronger opening. I don't, I don't think that we needed to be as spoon-fed as we were, especially with the opening sequence. I think the opening sequence was a little cringe. Um, there was just stuff happening that was like – it made me just like shake my head and like, oh, man, really? Like when the kid – climbs the top of the cliff and like does the symbol with his hand and all of a sudden like a million slaves see that and then they all like rebel and join him i thought that was like so it just the way it was done it was quite cringy and just a little too cheesy and a little too unbelievable um because like all the slaves immediately like turn and like oh yeah let's rise up and i was like and, but when they showed their perspective, like, I could even barely see the kid on the mountainside. I was like, what is – I can't even make him out. Like, how do you guys see that he's doing a symbol? And, like, like how do they know that he's, like, rebelling? If How do they know it's not just, like, some random person just standing there? Plot, bro. Yeah. It's, it, there's things like that, the direction of the film and the approach to the writing. And like we always say, and the script is so important. I think the script is king for any movie. You can't make – it's hard to make a bad movie if the script is great. But it's easy to make a bad movie if the script is, is bad. And I think this is an instance where, once again, the writing was not really approached in a really meaningful way. It seemed like they were just trying to hit beats for a trailer in a lot, a lot of the ways. It seemed like it was just like a trailer movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the, I was surprised. A lot of the dialogue was really, you know, quite immature and a lot of simple is really very simple dialogue very simple like the i heard the name hero i heard the word hero probably 50 times in that movie and i was like if someone says that we need a hero one more time i swear to god i'm gonna leave the theater (laughs) like oh my god how many times do we have to say that we need a hero or this is a hero or the hero is here i'm like we get it we get it conduct needs a hero we got it like an hour ago we understood we don't need to keep drilling this into our heads and i just think the um the character's weren't quite weren't very interesting um i also think that the 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 young actor the kid um i'm sorry i can't remember his name uh but his the approach they had with him it was a little cringe as well like when the when cyclone and adam gave him the cape i don't know who's seen doug in listening but whenever i saw the the nickelodeon show nickelodeon show doug had an alter ego quail man and he wore a, a red blanket wrapped around his shoulders and every time I saw the kid in this movie, I just thought of Quail Man from Doug. It was just, it was just a little cheesy. I liked the kid a lot, though, because I liked his skateboarding, which was really cool. He kind of, like, maneuvers around the city really easily. Um, the thing with, with him and his mom, their relationship was kind of odd where his mom is clearly, like, this rebel fighter trying to end the— Free the people of Kandak. Free Kandak yeah, yeah. from the, the, the people that are controlling them. 
His mother obviously goes on these dangerous missions, and he helps them uh, get through the security checkpoints at the beginning of the film. And his mom seems like a great lady, and she's trying trying to get this crown. She loves her kid, but she's constantly putting her son in huge amounts of danger. And then mad at him for being in danger. And then she gets mad at everyone else for her son being in danger. I'm like, you put him in the danger. You gave him the crown. Like, if you want your kid to be saved, tell him, get the fuck out of Kandak. <laughs> Don't give him the crown. So, like, she, There's people trying to kill him because he has putting, the crown. She keeps putting him in crazy danger. Then she gets mad at everyone else that her son's in danger. And I'm just like, he wouldn't be in danger if you didn't give him the crown. Yeah. And I know you're trying to protect the crown, but, like, if you're worried about your kid and you're willing to give up the crown for your kid's safety, why did you give the kid the crown in the, in the first place? Yeah. So, like, stuff like that. It's I'm contradictory. Like, He's in danger because of you, Mom. Yeah. She's actually quite a bad mom. She's a bad mom. <laughs> and just, like, another example of, of mediocre writing, like, with the kid, when when the the bad guys are chasing the kid because he has a knapsack and Ishmael finds him in his in the apartment and then he goes down, like, that tunnel chute that he uses to leave the house. Then Ishmael calls up back up. He's like, I lost the kid. What do you mean? He's right there. Just go down the, just go down the steps. Down the stairs, Where could he be? He's right there. It's like it's stuff like that. It's like it doesn't – it's like it's kind of like – is this the 90s of like an action TV movie or what? It kind of felt like that. It yeah. felt like – I don't know. It, it felt like a TV series. You're right. Like that kind of – level of writing like a, a superhero tv series i didn't feel like a, and i didn't even feel a connection between black adam and the kid um they tried but it, but like you said because the scenes of quiet were so short and not and it was like all exposition like i didn't feel like they even made a real connection and so when black adam was doing everything he could to save the kid i didn't really feel it because there was such a short amount of time they spent together and the entire crux of black adam's next hour and a half is saving the kid i was like it, if, if they had spent like 20 minutes together and actually developed some kind of relationship except for a 30 second scene in his bedroom and then like a 30 second scene of Black Adam lowering down the staircase, that's all they had. And also it drew really heavily from Terminator 2 where John gives the Terminator the catchphrase. A little too, I think, close to that in terms of like an idea. You know what I mean? No, I, I get that for yeah. sure. But I, I feel I, like I just, they the relationship wasn't strong enough for me to be like, I understand what Black Adam is doing all this for. Yeah, I think character development was probably the biggest weakness of this film for sure. And they they just thought I think they thought that the the many flashbacks of so many flashbacks. ancient conduct would be enough would be how we'd get our emotionality for the film. But it didn't really fully work for me because we went back there way too often. But how about we'll head to our intermission? And I know, I, you know, you're all probably, some of you might be thinking, like, it's just a fun action blockbuster film, popcorn film, like, we shouldn't be too negative about it. But, I mean, we're just trying to be objective here. Yeah, we, I think we understand yeah. that this is the old DC, but we're we're, we're talking yeah, this yeah. because we're getting a new version of the DC going yeah, forward. And we, you, I, I hope that you all know that we're just, we don't BS you guys. We just give our honest opinion. And I also think, like, if we're spending money in the theaters, we should get something, we should get our money's worth. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well, let's. Get into our intermission. Maybe you'll get some money's worth out of that. <laughs> Before we continue, the very best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to share us with your movie friends and movie family mem members. Use our coupon codes and become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost podcast. As little as $2, but we have tiers that go all the way up to $100. $10, $25, and $100 to your patrons get access to our Discord. We communicate with you on that every day. Lots of fun, cool threads, as well as do our watch parties. $25 and $100 to your patrons get 
a custom episode. You pick the topic. We do it for you in $100 to your patrons. You're the chosen ones. You get to be an executive producer and hear your name at the end of every main episode of the show. You get your own personal watch party. And after three months being in that tier, you get to come on the show for a fun guest segment. Patreon allows us to do the show full-time, so thank you so much for your support. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost. That's one word at checkout. You'll get 20% off and free shipping your entire order from Manscaped.com, who are the leaders in men's grooming. Listen up, fellas. Their Lawnmower 4.0 Groomer. This is a rocket ship and the ultimate accessory to your grooming needs. 7,000 RPM motor, skin safe to the touch waterproof has a built-in light wireless charger it is the ultimate grooming accessory their boxer briefs 2.0 are beyond comfortable they come in all sorts of cool designs and sizes as well as they got a little extra cushion i mean a little extra pouch for your family jewels down there so you'll be extra comfortable all goddamn day manscaped also has deodorant two-in-one shampoo conditioner body wash they got everything you need for your grooming and daily toiletry needs. Go to manscaped.com. Use our code Raiders of the Lost at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping today. This episode is also sponsored by, you know them, movieposters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Head on over to movieposters.com and use our promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. They have a huge selection of pretty much Every movie and TV show imaginable in their arsenal, as well as all sorts of sizes, framing, and even backlighting for your poster needs. So when you need movie posters, you know where to go. Movieposters.com. And don't forget our promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. This episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast is sponsored by our friends at Zavi, the best place for popular culture. That's Zavi, Z-A-V-V-I dot com. Get up to 30% off your entire order of merchandise, clothing, all sorts of goodies for your favorite franchises with our code Raiders at checkout today. Zavi has a huge selection of DC merchandise. We got this great bobblehead of Superman this Joker statuette, this great Funko of Superman right here, this Funko statue. They have all sorts of collectibles, Legos, posters, DVDs, Blu-rays, steelbooks, whatever a movie fan could desire for DC, they got you covered. They also have incredible clothing collections for all of your favorite superheroes from the DC universe, as well as Marvel and other franchises. Let's head on into our intermission. Begin with the movie quote competition. You ready? I'm ready. First is the path of God. Only the penitent man <laughs> shall pass. Second is the word of God. Only in the footsteps of God shall he proceed. Third is the breath of God. Only in a leap from the lion's head shall he prove his worth. The penitent man will pass. The penitent man will pass. The penitent man will pass. <laughs> Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Penitent. Sorry for that penitent. pronunciation. Yeah. It's okay. We all got it. Okay, here's my quote. Two people talking. I remember you being a lot bigger. To a 10-year-old, I'm huge. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Hook. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Guess this movie release here, Anthony. Predator 2. 19... 92. 1990. Oh, man. Wow. How can you not remember? Is the year you were born, you don't remember? 
<laughs> you know the movie you, of my birth. You remember the commercials when you were a kid? <laughs> Guess this movie release here. All the President's Men. What a classic. I watched it last night. It's still incredible, right? Yeah, it's on HBO Max. Got that on DVD, too. Let's see. Two legends, too, man. Dustin and... Robbie. Rob, huh? Robbie. Oh, yeah. Who were you going to say? Robbie. (laughs) Robert Redford. Hmm. Dustin off and Robert Redford, in case you're curious. We got it. We got it. No, people listening might be like, who's Robbie? (laughs) Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, nineteen eighty-seven. No, 70, no, no, nineteen seventy-six. <laughs> Way off. <laughs> predator was in my head for nineteen eighty-seven. That is predator. Nineteen seventy-six. Yeah. <laughs> my God, that was bad. That was a pretty bad guess. That was shockingly bad. <laughs> Movie pop quiz time. No offense. How many Fast and the Furious movies is Dwayne Johnson in? Oh man, uh, this is not a, my strong my uh, strong footing on this one. Uh, I'm gonna guess. Was he in the last one? I don't know. I'm gonna guess three, five. <laughs> so he's in oh, the Fate of the Furious, Fast Five, Furious Seven, Fast and Furious Six, as well as Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, Hobbs and Shaw. Well, that's a spinoff. Still, it's called Fast and the Furious Hobbs and Shaw. I guess. All right. Well, I was going to get it wrong either way. Actually, that was actually not that bad of a movie. It was a little silly, but it was pretty fun. Moving on. To... I've, I've seen, I have seen that, but I haven't seen like the last four Fast movies. I actually haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw. Is it good? It's pretty It's pretty good, just for mindless. Just It's funny. I love Dwayne yeah. and uh, Jason. Yeah. Plus, uh, Liz- um, uh, Curlby is in it too, right? Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby. <laughs> Curly? Curlby. Curlby. <laughs> Vanessa Kirby. <laughs> The White Lotus. The White Widow. <laughs> oh, my God. You're all over the place today. <laughs> all right, here's my quiz question. Yeah, what happened to my brain? It was never there, man. <laughs> Probably. What Adam Sandler movies has Dustin Hoffman starred in? He's, he's definitely... He's in Jack and Jill, right? Or is that Pacino? That's Pacino. God, so you're already wrong. Well, I'm just... Okay, process I'll of get, elimination I'll, I'll here, get... right? I didn't say that was my answer. <laughs> Well, if you're asking for process of elimination, that's cheating. I'm talking to myself. Do they do that in Jeopardy? I was. It was a rhetorical question. This is how I think through stuff, okay? <laughs> Sounded like a normal I'm question just, to me. This is how I think through stuff. <laughs> He's not in Jack and Jill. That's Pacino. What the hell would he be in? Um... See, that's a rhetorical question. The way you said it, though, earlier was you said, He's not in Jack and Jill, right? No, I or... said that's... And then I said that's Pacino immediately. <laughs> Showing that it was not a, that it was a rhetorical question that I was not expecting. An I'm answer trying to show you the difference because you said right in the first one. Because I'm talking to myself. You never said right to yourself. <laughs> you never said that before. Right question mark. I've never used that word in my life. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Adam Sandler, Dustin Hoffman, Adam Sandler, Dustin Hoffman. Crap. Are, are there more than one? There's more than one. Another cheat. <laughs> <laughs> or is that rhetorical? Was that rhetorical? <laughs> survey says that, no. That one, that one was no, no. That wasn't rhetorical. That wasn't. You see the difference? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It felt like the first one. <laughs> um. Why am I blanking? Let's on just this? get a guess. I don't know. <laughs> He's been stalled. The cobbler and the Meyerowitz stories. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. Do we have any haters this week besides you? <laughs> yeah, we got some good unsubscribes. <clears throat> Samuel Cahill 
No news on easily one of the greatest films of the year, The Banshees at Sheeran. I will watch it twice this opening weekend, unsubscribed. But then I, I informed him that it's not even out in America yet. And then he apologized. But we know, Sam, you're, you're a great fan of the we show. We can't wait to you. see it. We're, we're huge fans of Martin McDonough, and those yeah. two guys are awesome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we'll be, we'll be there when it first comes out in L.A. <laughs> and then, uh, I actually uploaded an episode of Movie News with just J- James's camera side. <laughs> and, and then, no photos, no nothing. Yeah, it was and just then, me. And then I, we uploaded the new one, the, the correct version, and then we got like a bunch of comments saying, uh, still, st- still watch both of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone wrote like, "You guys should upload episodes like this all- every time." This is this blew my mind. <laughs> it's completely unedited. It was James's side. Unedited with just the audio from your camera, which is shit audio. I mean, that's why people are tuning in anyways, just for this, great. this side over here. All right, but we have a real hater. So like I said earlier, we po- I posted a Black Adam clip talking about how it only made $62 million domestic opening weekend, which I, we said it's disappointment because it is a disappointment for the money that was spent on that film. $200 million. That's what it yes. made in America. So jo- in, Jor- in Jorge, Ma- Jorge Mar- Marquin wrote, the movie cost two hundred, and it is at... 146 globally right now. Take it easy, Marvel princesses. Called us Marvel princesses. I do feel like a princess yeah. sometimes. <laughs> but then I clearly, I said, you clearly don't understand that theaters actually split profits with studios. And plus, they didn't factor in the $100 million marketing campaign in that budget number. And those secret reshoots. Yeah, secret reshoots. And so the movie realistically needs to make double $280 million to actually turn a profit. And then he didn't respond to that. And listen, everyone, I put when, him in his when place. a studio tells you a movie costs $200 million they always or costs $100 million, always that's it. on the books. Under the books, movies are generally – they go way yeah. more. They way don't, more. They don't want you to know how much a movie really costs in case it like, ends up being a huge bomb. They don't really want that – to be known and they want to think that their movie is a huge success if yeah. let's say the movie let's say the flash cost 550 million dollars and it made a billion dollars yeah that's a success but if that movie makes 700 million dollars they'll say it was a huge success when it really it needs to make a billion to like be yeah. a success but yeah on paper it looks like a success a lot yeah. of movies even if it's a 10 million dollar budget there's still a little extra maybe a couple extra million that we don't know about that was spent yeah black adam needs to hit 500 to start making a profit. That's a fact. You don't think Cavill got paid for that yeah. se- that cameo? <laughs> oh, he got some money. He got, he got some money. He got paid for I sure. want to know what Henry Cavill's contract is. And Dwayne's. I, but Dwayne's, but especially Henry. But and Dwayne, Well, Dwayne's the highest paid actor in the world. That's why I want to know his contract. I don't think that he'll be more higher paid than Henry Cavill because Henry Cavill probably was able to demand what he wanted. But I think it's because they're going to be the two most powerful beings in the DC going forward. That's probably why. I think Supergirl might have the... Put a, give them a run for their money. Yeah, if we get some more Kryptonians finally introduced yeah. into DC, right, going I just want to know what's Henry's contract. They're probably he was. He, they probably called him and he was like, "Hey guys, so do you remember? Uh, do you remember the leaks? Um, a couple weeks or like a month ago or so, where people were saying that like Henry Cavill's talking to Marvel. Uh-huh. Guarantee you, his agents or whoever, oh, they, yeah, their they team was like put that out there. Like he's talking to the MCU, and the MCU's like, "Wait, Henry Cavill's talking to us." And then and then uh, <laughs> and then, they, gotta, then they called up DC. They're like, "What do you want? We'll give you anything, <laughs> everything, Henry. You want a new PC gaming system? You got it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you all the systems you want. Top notch." bro <laughs> <laughs> moving on to on this day in film and tv history today is october 27th in 1954 walt disney's first tv show disneyland premieres on abc in 1955 rebel without a cause starring starring james dean is released in america then we also have some film premieres 
Leaving Las Vegas premiered in 1995, which won Nick Cage a Best Actor at the Oscars that year. Now, some other birth, some other entertainment. Sounds like you're stalling. Well, <laughs> some other releases on October 27th. <laughs> I Ro- see you typing in your phone. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet in 1996. Uh, Jigsaw in 2017. Assassin's Creed, the huge disappointment from Michael Fassbender in 2016. Then we also have what else do we have? Some other films. Saw three, two thousand six. Lots of Saw movies. They own. They own October. <laughs> Suburbicon, disappointing film in two thousand seventeen with Matt Damon. And then we also have. I guess Halloween Day is not a big release day. Yeah, but because they'll always hit the weekend of the Halloween week. You know what I mean? Yeah, but Halloween Day is the thirty first. Yeah, but it's not always a Friday or Saturday. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, but this is the twenty seventh. Oh, yeah, but this is not our Halloween. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Shut up. Got him. (laughs) That's good. Uh, Birthdays in film history for October 27th. Who do we have? Who do we have? I'm still stalling. <laughs> My I God. Did, I did this not, is the longest day in movie history I ever. I did not get it done today. So I'm on. <laughs> You're doing it live. I'm doing it live and it's not going well. There are like no. It's all YouTubers and Me? TikTokers. I'm the guy that does his job. You must be the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Let's just move on. Hold on. We've got to get at least one birthday in here. Let me pull it up. Hold I, on. I'm not that that invested in the I, birthday it's right part now. Of the, it's part of the episode, man. We do it so every stubborn. time. We so do it stubborn. every time. Uh, John Cleese, who's that? Oh, yeah, the Monty uh, Python. Okay, <laughs> Ivan Reitman. Okay, director of Ghostbusters. I understand. Uh, not everyone knows <laughs> no, Anthony. Okay, okay? <laughs> there are people listening. I feel like that was directed you, at me. Listen, you're not the only person listening, even though you have headphones on. Other people are listening to the show, not named Anthony Devaney. Okay, <laughs> goodness. <laughs> oh, obviously, I know that it because you like <laughs> looked at me, you like made eye contact with me, like telling me that it was Ivan Reitman. Anyways. Was that rhetorical? That's it. That was a rhetorical uh, question. <laughs> All right. What's your stream recommendation? Did you do that? Hadi. House Hadi. of the Dragon. Great finale that just happened on Tuesday. What a show. Best season of TV of the year so far. I recommend The Man from Nowhere, which is a 2010 South Korean action movie. It's basically like the original John Wick, and it's really fantastic. It's amazing. Also, if you haven't seen it in theaters yet, go see Smile before it's out of there. That was an awesome Oh, I gotta, I gotta do that. You gotta see it. I wanna do an episode on it. I think people are really digging yeah, it. Yeah, you can do it without me, man. You know what I can? Do a solo review. Listen, everyone, I don't need Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a grown-ass man. <laughs> I'm like, my ass. I have a belly button. All right, let's get <laughs> We got the giggles out of the way. Let's get back into our episode of Black Adam. Now, let's go over the Justice Society and all these brand new characters that were thrust upon us in the first yeah. Also, I think just uh, Aldous Hodge did a terrific job. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a Hawkman. really good actor. So who are the Justice Society? The Justice Society of America is the original DC Universe superhero team premiering during the Golden Age and fighting during World War II as part of the All-Star Squadron. Their founding members were the Atom, Dr. Fate, the Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman, Our Man, Sandman, and the Spectre. Their adventures have continued into the present day through legacy characters in an ongoing tradition of heroism held up through the eras. That would have been, like... That makes me think, when are they going to finally figure out Green, Green Lantern? Lantern? 
Who knows? They got to get that going soon. Yeah. Because Green Lantern's like a top five DC character and property and IP. And, and also, they... yeah, he's part of the opening logo. Every For real, yeah. Every movie, Green Lantern is shown like after Wonder Woman. And you're like, I haven't even seen Green Lantern yet. And he's been in the logo of all these movies. Such a successful character in the comic book world that we've just, we still got the bad movie with Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively that no one liked. Even Reynolds didn't like that movie. <laughs> he's roasted so many times, even in the Deadpool movie. Taika Waititi's in that. And then he oh, plays yeah. his friend. Oh my he plays God. His that's crazy. Yeah. And, and then, um, Peter Sarsgaard was the villain. Obviously, we got a little bit of Green Lantern in Zack Snyder's Justice League, just a little glimpse. Of an ancient Green Lantern, yeah. Yeah, so we still haven't really got—they haven't figured it out. We just saw him in, like, the opening battle of the old battle for against Darkseid. I feel like Green Lantern should be a top priority for them. It should be up there. It should yeah. be a top five priority. I'm not sure why they haven't— um really pursued him at all i think they haven't been able to figure it out i think they're probably scared to because of how bad the last movie performed they gotta do it though they I mean, he's to. he's in he oh he's part of the logo they have to figure it out they have to figure out green lantern so much now hawkman who's also carter hall is a character that has multiple lives in the history of its comic book interpretations and i believe he can be reincarnated and but we basically the present day carter hall He's known as an archaeologist, but it seems that they've turned him into kind of a Bruce Wayne. No, or more of a Professor X character. I yeah, feel. Yeah, I felt yeah. more Professor X in terms of the massive amounts of wealth, as well as the secret underground chambers and the giant mansion. Mansion it felt X Men. Didn't yeah. feel X Men. He's got these ships, which I thought was cool. I think like the DC, they realized we need a character like that, sort of like the X Men. I'm not sure if he's like that in the comics though. Hawkman is a winged vigilante who fights crime using a flight harness made from. Nith metal and a mace. Hawkman's secret identity is Carter Hall. There are two separate origins of Carter Hall, the Golden Age origin and the post-Hawk world origin. Carter Hall is an archaeologist and museum curator who lives out his destiny as a reincarnation of the ancient Egyptian prince Khufu using magic weaponry. Carter Hall, Carter Hall, a different version, is another version that appeared in the Silver Age, an alien policeman from planet Thanagar with access to advanced technology. So my guess is we're getting the former version of Carter Hall where he's an Egyptian prince Khufu using magic weaponry reincarnated. And that's why he has super strength then. Yeah, he's got super strength and stuff like that. Dr. Fate, played by Pierce Brosnan, a.k.a. James Bond, is Kent Nelson, was a kind academic and one of the founding members of the Justice, Justice Society with his magical abilities and the helmet of fate he used to transform into the powerful mythical sorcerer Known as Dr. Fate. So he needs the helmet for his powers. Mm-hmm. Then we have Adam Smasher, a.k.a. Al Rothstein. Al Rothstein is a superhero having used the names Nuclon and Adam Smasher. He's a member of Justice League International and Justice Society International. He's the grandson of the reluctant supervillain known as Cyclotron, from whom Albert inherited his metahuman powers by which he can control his molecular st- structure, allowing him to alter the size and destiny of his body. In the movie, it seems like he, he's talking about the suit gives him the powers and he, and he inherited. The no, suit. no, no. The suit just helps to uh, okay. use the powers. But so he, he, he inherited his, his uncle's power. Okay, gotcha. So yeah. he just got the suit from his uncle yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Uh, also, can we talk about how that actor Noah sent to Neo? It was like I was watching Mark Ruffalo on screen sometimes. Can someone do a blood test? It's unbelievable. The it, voice, his voice, his face. I get face. a lot of actors and actresses, they, they have similar, they have like doppelgangers, but it's beyond doppelganger at this point. It the was mannerisms, wild. the voice, it's it's insane. The, the, the facial fa- structure. It was unbelievable. I, I was like, is this like Mark Ruffalo's son? I was thinking that in the theater. 
It was unbelievable. It was like it's wild how similar they are. They Sony's they need to go on ancestry.com. <laughs> I'm so They have to they have to share genes. They have to. Like distant distant, distant some relatives. Gene, and then it happened to be like things like that happens like this like random pairing of like genes they just come together in this combination and they both have like it a is like father son level mannerisms yeah. that are the same it's like watching john david washington with denzel yeah. the same mannerisms but his voice same voice it's the same thing with ruffalo and this guy yeah the voice was it was uncanny i couldn't believe it i'm yeah. like i had to look it up i'm like is this guy related to mark ruffalo because yeah. it, it seems cr- it like wild. he is mark ruffalo's son it's wild <laughs> anyways <laughs> then we have cyclone aka maxine hunkel now, Maxine Hunkel is a metahuman with the ability to control the wind with her mind and granddaughter of Ma Hunkel. Since she was a child, Hunkel always had a strong admiration for the Justice Society, eventually being subjected to nanites experimentation and obtaining her powers on her own. When Hunkel witnesses, witnessed an attack, she stopped it only to find out that the attacker had consumed the tar drug. She was soon found by Hawkman, who offered her to join the Justice Society. Also has a super high IQ. I think Hawkman said it was 176, which is super genius level IQ right there. Now, I thought her. I think her powers are really cool. Yeah, I think I think uh, Cyclone is maybe my favorite character of the superheroes outside. I mean, Black Adam's awesome, but I, I think I liked her the most out of everyone. I think I liked her the most too out of the Justice Society. But a problem I had with the movie, and like I said earlier, is exposition in the writing where. I don't like how we're introduced to all these characters via narration by Amanda Waller. Um, I don't like how Hawkman's first scene is him getting a a rundown with Amanda Waller. I think the movie, it all all it would take is ten minutes. Is every one of the characters just give them a two minute scene so we can understand who they are, what their power is, and what their life is like, and then they at and the end of each scene they get like the message to join um, the the squad. That's just a much better way of showing us who the characters are rather than Amanda Waller just lift, listing off their abilities, where they're from, how old they are. Hawkman's left doing the narration. Sorry, yeah. And while it's montaging them of them going and showing up at the estate, I just think like that kind of character um, showcasing and introduction is so lazy and it, it doesn't feel like they're – characters i just felt like they were just like a list uh, names on a list and i think they could have done a much better job of introducing each character with their own little it doesn't have to be that long just a two-minute sequence each person and then uh quintessa swindell played cyclone did a great job really charming character really great performance and then black adam who's also known as teth adam changes his name to black adam at the end of the film obviously black adam was an ancient egyptian slave who received the powers of the wizard shazam I didn't even really know there was a connection to Shazam and Black Adam. Not really. I know that Dwayne was kind of figuring out who who he wanted to play in the DC once he was getting involved in the DCEU. And he asked fans, would you rather I play Shazam or Black Adam? And unanimously, the fans were like, be Black Adam, please. And that's when he decided to be Black Adam because he was up for Shazam at the time. I'm so glad he didn't become Shazam. I think he fits Black Adam so much better. And however, obviously, we know from the story he was imprisoned. For millennia by the wizard, after he used his powers, he was eventually freed in the modern day where he went to battle on the wizard's new champion in the film. Actually, so it's a little different. But he was imprisoned and— Yeah, it's different, yeah. So his son—in the in the lore in the comic books, it's his nephew, Amon. In the movie, they changed it to his son is Amon, who uh, almost gets killed by—after he tries he to saves lead a rebellion. His, he saves Black, he saves Adam by instilling, bestowing his powers on him to save his life. Yes. And then while the son didn't have the powers of Shazam, in that moment, he was killed. Because his son used to be the champion for the wizard. Yeah. He was the people's powers. champ. Then when, yeah. 
Then he was assassinated after he transferred his powers to his father. I would have loved to see a rock bottom in this movie. That would have been great. Or at least least one rock bottom. At least a people's elbow. uh, People's elbow would have been wonderful. Imagine, I mean, that would have that would have been really fun to see, don't you think? Did you know that there's a people's elbow in the world's end? Oh, is there? Yeah. So when we just did oh our, yeah yeah when the guys are fighting, we did our Carmelo yeah. trilogy episode a couple weeks ago, and there's a people's elbow yeah. in on in, a robot on one of the robots, yeah. and they actually Edgar Wright reached out to Dwayne Johnson to ask him permission uh-huh. and to use it because like technically the, it's not like owned by WWF or anything, and and Dwayne gave them the blessing because he's a huge fan of Edgar Wright's movies, and they actually sent him an early cut of the movie to that he got to watch by himself that no one else saw when, yeah. before it came out. So they get, they got permission to buy Dwayne to do the people's elbow in that movie. It's great. Is Nick Frost do it? I think. Uh yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it's excellent. <laughs> it would have been it would have been great because the, the people's elbow would have been maybe a little too tongue in cheek for this, but a rock bottom totally doable in this movie. It would have been also cool to maybe get like Stone Cold Steve Austin in there somewhere for a cameo during the movie. <laughs> Open up again, a whoop ass. the three sixteen. It's just crazy to think that you know what Dwayne Johnson's done with this career trajectory, which is absurd to be go from. Being an unknown wrestler and then being the the most famous wrestler in the world when WWF and WWE were in their prime and like him and Stone Cold Steve Austin being the great rivals in that show and that in that world and then becoming the biggest movie star in the world and now being a superhero. It's absolutely incredible what this guy's done with his career. And like you said, like he deserves all of the success that he's gotten because he just appreciates his fans so much and gives them what they want. Can it's, we it's talk incredible. about how big he got for this movie? Massive. His, Those traps. His traps are insane. And it, it's it's um they like touch his ears yeah like there's a there's a great shot from behind his back of the kid's bedroom and then his shoulders are huge but then his traps are like mounted up to his up to his head and i was like holy god he got huge just like his his legs are like tree trunks i've never seen him this big before he's he got enormous it's really impressive like the the work ethic he put into this to get to the be that size and i like how they joke the, the, I think the best joke in the movie was when the kid says, "You look way bigger than like Superman or any of them," because it's true. He looks better. He looks bigger than all of those actors. Absolutely, he's bigger than Hemsworth and everything too. Now, Jordan Peele was actually originally offered the chair and chance to direct the film Black Adam when it was first announced in 2017, but Peele declined, saying, "Quote: I'm not a fan of superhero movies, and I'd hate to take that chance away from a director who is passionate about them." And I'm glad Jordan Peele didn't jump into superhero genre because, you know, I think he's just... He's, he's a great writer. He's best served as doing yeah. his own stories, Chris Nolan route, like make yeah. even though Chris Nolan did superhero movies, but making his own high concept films. Like what we got, we probably wouldn't have gotten Nope this year if he did Black Adam instead. Yeah, he's. I think he's too unique of a writer and it, 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 it wouldn't fit for uh, a brand like this, a corporate, it's a corporate brand. That's mm-hmm. the thing. And it, they are pretty restrictive with the freedoms they give writers. Versus Universal has just been treating Jordan Peele so well and giving him like kind of like the Spielberg treatment where now they have exhibits at Universal Studios centered around his movies, which is so cool. Like Halloween Horror Nights, they do the Us stuff. They do, and now also Juniper's, uh, Jupiter's Claim is also at Universal Studios year round now. Juniper's Claim. Juniper's claim. Yeah, Jupiter. What did I say? Jupiter. Jupiter yeah. Juniper's claim. You see, I remember in the episode you said Juniper's claim. <laughs> 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 that mom's dyslexia passing on to me. <laughs> now Pierce Brosnan, Brosnan is the fifth James Bond actor to appear in a comic book adaptation after Timothy Dalton, who was in Flash Gordon in 1980, Rocketeer in 1991, and Doom Patrol in 2019, George Lazenby, who was in Batman Beyond, 
Sir Sean Connery, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and then Daniel Craig in The Adventures of Tintin. In addition, David Niven, who played Bond in the non-Eon film Casino Royale, was in 1967, was considered to play Alfred Pennyworth in a potential Batman film before his death in 1983. I love Pierce. He's 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 great, man. And it was really great to have him in this movie. I think he did a really solid job and he brought he brought some emotional gravitas that the movie needed at the end um during his death but also that leadership quality he has of of, of a wise person um I, i'm glad he was in this movie uh because he's really a terrific actor and he was making the biggest action movies of their time in the 90s you know all the james bond movies were just mad he friggin' drove a tank through like europe and destroyed like an entire city he also rode a, a dirt bike off a cliff and <laughs> skydove into a plane that was falling without a pilot and yeah. then pulled it yeah. up he really did that yeah he really did that <laughs> just kidding he tom cruise my ass <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but i, I love pierce Brosnan. i'm glad uh, i'm glad he was in a, a huge movie this year yeah i just wish that, that there was more relationship development between him and hawkeye they kind of like hawkman they kind of forced that on us like to like you one of them's gonna die you you audience members better when, feel it when it when they have to keep calling each other their friends then you can tell it's like they're forcing it they're forcing my them. old friend you're my yeah. old friend um and they're not showing it you know what i mean that's another reason why the the speed of the film didn't really work and it just didn't have like a, any moments for just real character on character development and chemistry um, and it just was lacking an opportunity for the actors to really explore their characters. Let's get into the future of the DCEU going forward and upcoming projects. How's that sound? Sounds wonderful. So obviously the next major film they have coming out is The Flash. Nope, it's actually it's Aquaman. Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This comes out this year. Coming out March 2023. I, yeah, you go ahead and take Monsters, this. Monsters, let, <laughs> let me take this one. <laughs> Just like Green Lantern comes out tomorrow, right? Yeah, so we there was a trailer for this that we saw in front of this movie. It's going to star, obviously, Zachary Levi, Ash, Asher Angel, Jack Dylan Grazer, Jimon Hunsu, Rachel Zegler, Adam Brody, Faith Heyman, Herman, Helen Mirren, and then Lucy Liu seemed to be the antagonist of this film. Um, it looks pretty good. I, I thought that the first one was pretty funny and a solid movie. Uh, but this is the next project for the DCU going forward. I wonder if Black Hat Adam will probably maybe have a cameo in that movie. I'm gonna be honest. I have I still haven't been sold on that trailer. Me neither. I, I, the first one was pretty good. I was it was actually the first one was very funny. Um, I enjoyed it. I saw that in theaters. But I, I'm watching this trailer. I'm kind of just like, ah, I don't even know if I want to see it. it looks like yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the first one, remember, had that faceless Man of Steel cameo. Oh yeah, at the end in the in the so that wasn't even cafeteria, Henry. yeah. And then the Flash comes out June. 23rd. It definitely wasn't his body. I know that body. It wasn't Cavett. <laughs> <laughs> the Flash supposedly will be next, coming out supposedly June twenty third, twenty twenty three. But let me just double check to make sure they haven't pushed it back again. Yeah. I also think I have a prediction for the Flash. I think they might be. Uh, it's possible they'll kill off Ezra Miller and then replace him with a replace them with a new Flash. That's my guess is what they might do, because I'm not sure they want to deal with Ezra for the future. It's too, too much of a loose cannon, uh, too unpredictable, and it's probably best suited for the studio to finish this project and then both parties move on. High risk. Replace him with a different dimensional Flash. Yeah, I think that might be – maybe they're doing reshoots where Ezra's Flash dies in the film and then we have a new Flash um, coming into play at the end of the movie. That's my guess. And again, this movie – it's going to end up costing DC in Warner Time Warner. They've been Discovery. doing. A, they've done so many reshoots. This yeah. is like a five hundred million dollar production. This is absolutely insane that we know of, probably because originally it was a two hundred fifty million dollar budget, and they've done what four major reshoots that we know of at least. Yeah, insane. They're doing reshoots right now, so yeah. 
script overhauls as well and rewrites. So like this movie, they need they essentially need a billion dollars for this movie. There's so there's not so, there's pickup pickup production and that's done um, after a movie's initial production and that's actually set part of the schedule. Actors don't get paid more for for those. They're, they're called pickup shots, but these are reshoots. Reshoots like this are not involved in the actor's contract, so they need to be paid uh, more money for reshoots, especially on this scale. So all the major actors, they're getting paid more for these reshoots. So it's actually quite an expensive process to do major reshoots. Plus new CGI and animation that takes so long. It costs so much money to do. So this is going to be maybe the most expensive movie ever made. Yeah. It's possible. It probably will be. Um, Avatar might be unstoppable. The original Avatar? $400 That's how much it costs to make that movie? I believe so, yeah. This will probably be more. I guarantee it's more, and they won't let us know. But I guarantee it's $500 million. But a lot of the future of the DC is going to depend on this movie and what they've changed. Obviously, Batgirl supposedly was going to be in it, I think. But now they're cut. Is Supergirl going to be in it? I'm sure she will be. So we'll probably get Supergirl going forward. We don't know what's going to happen with The Flash. We don't know what's going to happen with Batman Batfleck. Uh, I'm, ass- I'm assuming they're doing reshoots with Henry Cavill to put him back in there. To put him in there. I, I in The Flash? Yeah. At least as a cameo. Maybe, yeah. They got to put him in there. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe he's involved in the reshoots. If you're going to have everyone, this is basically going to be a new Justice League movie. Yeah. I'm sure Wonder Woman's in there, but we don't know. And then after The Flash, scheduled is Blue Beetle in in August 2023, directed by Angel Manuel Soto. Cast is uh, Shola Merendueña, George Lopez, Raul Max, Trujillo, Susan Sarandon. Oh, I forgot Susan's in that. <laughs> um we don't know much about it so she far. She is the Blue Beetle. <laughs> Just kidding. Gareth Dunn and Alocera wrote the script for Blue Beetle. It'll be the first Latino superhero movie for DC. Um, Angel Manuel Soto, who made Charm City Kings, is directing. That's going to be a theater release, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think they are, like two years ago, they were playing just a VOD with that during lockdown. It's true. Uh, Susan Sarandon is Victoria Cord. She's one of the main villains, as, as well as. Uh, Rao Max Trujillo is Carapax, the indestructible man, the other villain in the movie. Still, that's pretty much all we know about it. We've seen some set photos. That's it. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom comes out Christmas Day 2023, so December 25th, directed by James Wan. Obviously, we got Jason Momoa back. Amber Heard filmed it, but we don't know if they reshot her or cut her from the movie. Willem Dafoe, Patrick Wilson, Yahoo Abdul Mateen II. I'm worried this movie's going to be too similar to the first one, honestly. Because it has a lot of the same cast and a lot of the same well, villains. We'll see. The first one made a billion dollars, so I think that Warner Bros. has high hopes for it. But they keep pushing this back. But this... to put it on Christmas, though, that's a big release day. Yeah, it is. I think they um, feel good about it. And then getting out of the DCEU, we have Joker, Folia Du. That comes out October 4th, 2024. Again, not connected to the DCEU. Supposedly, Wonder Woman 3 is in development with uh, Patty Jenkins returning to direct with Gal Gadot. And Linda Carter is supposedly coming back as well. Uh, I believe that's in the scripts being made right now. Is in addition, Patty Jenkins announced the script was done. Okay, um, a couple weeks ago. So they'll probably go into pre-production next yeah. year. And then the Batman sequel outside of the DCEU got announced oh, recently. That's all I really want to see. <laughs> and then we have Supergirl, TBD. No information, no script development that we know of. No. Wait, directors. how long again until Batman two? <laughs> Who knows? Black Canary, another one. Static Shock in development. Nightwing is in development. Black Hawk is in development. And then Man of Steel 2. We don't know much about it yet because it just got announced. It's, and it's being written. So it's being written. It's yeah. being developed. 
And I, the big questions for me are like, who are they going to get to direct this movie? And I really hope DC makes the good decision of picking a director that's proven in the action genre because they're not going to have Zack Snyder come back, obviously. But we need someone that can recreate some of the action vision that Zack Snyder had and created for the foundation of the DCU going forward because his action sequences were then, you know, the same style was used in Wonder Woman, which is such a great movie. And the Eternals. And the same kind of thing. But I mean, in the DCU outside of the Eternals, not MCU, we we need the similar action sequences that the DCU fans know. And I think we need an accomplished action director to to helm this. We need Michael Bay. <laughs> no. No, no. He could do it. Just don't be involved in the story. <laughs> do you really want a 360 Superman shot? I mean, he makes pretty good action scenes. I guess, yeah. He makes good but action But I think the director is going to be so important as well as the screenwriters. Also, what's the story going to entail? Are we Is, is Kal-El going to go back to Krypton? Are we going to have more Kryptonians? Will Supergirl be in this? I hope that they take they use it as an opportunity to make it like Superman's the real main character rather than making it a team movie. I, I just don't I don't want to team up. I just want I think Superman. they're gonna make I think they'll make the mistake of making it a team movie when is when we'll we just see, yeah. we just need a Superman solo movie, honestly, to be honest. Uh obviously we'll have Lois Lane ba- back, I'm sure. What kind of villains will we be lo- talking about? Is Lex Luthor with Jesse Eisenberg gonna come back? I hope so because I feel like there's a lot of potential with that character. Bizarro is a possibility created by Lex Luthor as well. Uh, Black Adam seems to be his main antagonist and main opposing Brainiac. force right now. Yeah, Brainiac, Mongol, Parasite. So many so many possibilities for who could be the villain of Man of Steel 2. But so many questions of what's going to happen to DC going forward. Are they changing Blue Beetle's script and doing reshoots with that because of the new management at Times Warner Discovery? I can assume so, yeah. I'm sure they changed some stuff with that because that's that's been in production this year. So I'm sure they changed some things up with that movie. And I'm sure they're developing the hell out of a Supergirl script right now, too. I think that's a major priority as well. And I bet they're going to do a new um, take on Batgirl as well. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. New take on Batgirl, potentially. I would love to see Robin or, or Batman at some point, like a Batman solo film outside of— outside With of, Affleck? Yeah. Outside. Oh, we know that. <laughs> we know you want that. The whole, the whole city knows Woo! you want that. Everyone, everyone in the world knows I want that. Batfleck solo movie. <laughs> no other superheroes in it at all. All I don't care if we have two Batman movies. I don't care. <laughs> I don't I'm care. good with Pattinson. That's all I need. I'm happy with that. And man, come on, man. <laughs> Batfleck's suit is so cool. You're just gonna watch a movie because of a suit? <sighs> well, just him in the suit. I like. I think Pattinson's suit better. It's debatable. They're both great. Well, by your opinion, it's uh, no question. It's not debatable. Without uh, everyone's favorite would be Bat- Ben Affleck. <laughs> if he had a solo movie, <laughs> unanimous. If he had a solo movie. I think a lot of people would pick Batman as I mean Ben Affleck for Batman. <laughs> they pick Batman as the best favorite. Batman. <laughs> My favorite Batman is Batman. <laughs> Anyways, you got anything else to add? No, I'm good. I mean, it's all speculation, so we'll we'll just have to wait and see as these things roll out and, and judge it for ourselves and see where the tide takes us. Yeah, and if you enjoyed Black Adam, I'm so glad yeah. you did. I'm so glad you did. But honestly, for us, we had to be honest with how we felt about the movie. Yeah, we're not like this. I feel like online, especially like a lot of the big. Um, influencers in, in the film community i feel like it's like just part of the brand to just like blow everything up and so they're wanna, not not quite honest with opinions and i feel like views, baby. Yeah, I, don't think, views. I don't even they want they want to be objective in a lot of ways but we're we try to be objective and we hope you appreciate us just like not bsing you guys and you know f- being 
giving our honest opinions. I think it's important. But if you enjoyed it, I'm yeah. so glad you did. It doesn't, yeah. yeah, we can have differing opinions. It's fine. It's absolutely That's the kind fine. of world we're supposed to live in. Yeah. We're supposed just to. Don't, you know, yeah, we just don't know if to subscribe. Yeah, but I mean, I guess for pros of the movie, the, the, the CGI was pretty solid and stuff like that. And obviously, Dwayne's great. I think if I just think if the script was better, the movie could have been great. I it agree. could have been really great. I agree. If we actually got the brutality that we were promised the entire film, that would have been great. But again, it comes down to, like Anthony said, the script is king, and the script was not there. That was the weakness yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Script and, and poor character development. It was just it was kind of just a long trailer. It, it was like a long trailer, yeah. Um, but anyway. It's funny how boring it was. I was like yawning the whole time, like crazy shit. And I'm happening. not gonna lie, we were maybe there were 70 people in the theater. I don't, I maybe two jokes landed with a couple. The entire people. theater, nobody not was laughing. Really many, I don't yeah. think I can't like none of the jokes were hitting because yeah. the, the, this, they were a lot of the jokes that we've seen a million times. Yeah, I think um, I was. I mean, no matter what movie you see, if it's trying to be funny, there's always some people that like it's like their kind of humor. You know what I mean? But even with this movie. Nothing was really yeah, landing. And there was a good amount of people in the theater, yeah. too, but it's, it's just dead <laughs> silent. Every time there was a joke that didn't land, I was like, man, this is not, this is not working. <laughs> even the kids weren't laughing. Yeah, not even the kids were laughing. I think the kids were the probably bored. The little girl eating nachos next to me, he wasn't really laughing I had to all. move my seat. All I smelled was nacho cheese. It was distracting me. It was just nacho cheese right behind my head. I had to, I had to move like two seats down. All right. Well, that wraps our Black Adam DCEU episode. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Become a patron for as little as $2 at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Take care, everybody. See you next time. This episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast was executive produced by our chosen one patrons. Luke Exelston, Tyler McFly, Darren Singleton, Anthony DeMeo, John A. Graz, Becca Keen, Cody Moen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Cam, and Lauren Smertz. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.